guys, welcome back to another episode of Honest Chats with JL on this podcast. If you're returning, I want to thank you for leaning in and continuing to lend your ear to these conversations. If you are new, welcome. It's great to have you. We hope that the, um, the, the next few minutes that you are with us will actually impact you. Um, and so I'm really excited about this week's podcast. Please excuse my voice, I've actually got a sore throat at the moment, but um, yeah, I'm really excited about this week's podcast. I actually got to sit down with um, one of our, one of the founding fathers of our church, for some of you, you may know him, it's Pastor Bob, and um, he's just an incredible man. We, we got to um, Pastor Alex and I, who Alex you would have heard from for a few podcasts before, talked about masculinity um, and, and manhood and... Um, and fatherhood and the the other podcast that I've done with Alex has also been the podcast on apologetics so I want to encourage you to actually go if you haven't heard those to go and hear them but Alex came down with me and we we had a chance to just sit down ask Pastor Bob some questions and it was an incredible conversation full of gold nuggets and so I want to encourage you take a notepad or something take notes um, and, and just take it all in Pastor Bob is incredible he, he's part of the house he's part of the vision he stayed along and he's one of those fathers who's just stuck around and I'm just so grateful that I got to um, to sit in and to ask these questions and that he was gracious with this and so without further ado let's jump straight into this podcast part one with Pastor Bob you want to press record on yours? Recording? And... <laughs> Action! There we go. Action. Action. Um, cool. Do you want to come and have a seat? Thank you. I'll grab my cup of tea. Because we're right. very informal, right? Yeah, very informal. Um, thanks for meeting with me, Pastor Rob. It's a pleasure. It's just yeah. always a delight to have you guys here. <laughs> yeah. We had uh, about four or five of them came at the youth team at uh, one time. Oh, wow. Margaret fed them all with <laughs> toasted sandwiches. Yeah. And, and so it's a bit of a ritual now. <laughs> okay. We expect it. We expect yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, yeah, thank you. Um, we're going to start from the beginning. Uh, so if you don't mind, I'll let you do a lot of the talking. All right. Okay. And, um, yeah, tell us what was what it was like growing up, Bob. Well, I was born at a very early age, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was uh, born in 1937, which yeah. was just two years before the start of World War II. Right. And I lived in, in Manchester in the, in the um, northwest of, of the UK, which was a highly industrialised area, uh, lots of factories, foundries and engineering, that kind. So it was a prime target for German um, bombs. And, and my dad was actually a, a fireman, so he didn't actually get called up to go and do military service because of his job right. <coughs> as a fireman. And so, I, in my early days, I just remember going to school with a gas mask case round my, round my neck and, and just wow. living a, a life, apart from the fact that when the bombs started falling on, over night time, we had a, what we called an air raid shelter. It was made of corrugated iron in our garden. All, all, all families had them, all houses had them. Wow. And you would run out of your house and get into the shelter and hope that nothing hit you direct because it would protect you from blast and all that kind of thing. Mm. And, and so I don't even remember much about that because my mother used to carry me down and I'd still be asleep and she'd put me in, in the little uh, bed, single bed that was in the air raid shelter and then when the sirens went, we could come out and it was all clear. And, and so that was my early childhood. But... My dad was an iron founder. He, he was a molder in an iron foundry. So I was, a, you know, a blue-collar family, but not Christian, not uh, 
but not ungodly actually my parents sent me to Sunday school yeah. <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon uh, to the Anglican church because my dad did used to be a, a singing a choir uh, in, in an Anglican church um, but I, and I never actually ever heard my parents swear I only thought school kids swore, you know, I swore, <laughs> uh, and, and when I went to work, and I never heard my parents swear, and uh, and it was really a pretty, and, and I did have a brother, but he, he died when he was nine months old, so I was an only child, uh, all, okay. all of my, wow. yeah, no brothers and sisters, so, wow. so that was how I grew up, and uh, and then, you know, I had to go to confirmation classes at the Anglican Church and the bishop laid his hands on me and confirmed me as a as a Christian, you know, and mm. uh, um, <laughs> actually confirmed me in sin. He didn't, he didn't really confirm me. <laughs> but, but, you know, and we used to say the Lord's Prayer every morning at school, Our Father, who art in heaven, our Lord be thy name, we'd say... Uh, and all of that stuff does leave a mark on you. You know, I, I just feel that that was, um, that was the case. And then when I was 13, I, I got a job as a, as a paper, delivering papers. I'd get up at half past five every morning and go and get my morning papers and mm. deliver my papers before I went to school. And I'd come home from school at four o'clock, go and get my evening papers and go and deliver them. And then on Sunday morning, go and deliver the Sunday papers and... And so I did that till I, I left school at, at 16. And uh, I failed my, um, in those days, you, 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 there was what we called an, an 11 plus exam. When you were 11, you took a test at school to decide whether you went to a high school or grammar school or whether you just stayed in a secondary school. And I failed my 11 plus test and that, that was it. Mm. So I went to a secondary school and then the seniors and, and, and then went to work as a sign writer. My uncle George was actually a sign writer yeah. and I, I obviously did show some artistic uh, uh, kind of um, uh, uh, disposition, you know, I, I was good at drawing, I was good at art, I, I, I actually did some, some uh, uh, paintings and designs uh, that were to go to the art school to get me a scholarship. Uh, but anyway, it didn't work out that. Mm. So when I was 15, I left school. Yeah. And I went working with my uncle. And after about three months, he died on the, uh, uh, on the job that we were on. Wow. And, uh, and so, so my mother took me <laughs> to a sign shop in Manchester to get me a job. My oh, mother wow. came with me, you know, as a, as a 15 year old. <laughs> because that's what you did. Your parents just mm. came with you and, and and did all the talking for you, really, you know. And so I, this was an old established sign firm. Mm. Uh, and so I got a job as an apprentice sign writer. So that was what I did. And then when I was 18, in a, um, at that time we had what was called national service. Everybody, every male had to go and serve in either the Army, Navy or Air Force. And uh, you just were called up and go and have a medical, and then they told you you're in the army, you're in the navy. Well, they told me I was in the air force, yeah. and so I had to go. And I, you could go either when you were 18, or if you were doing uh, some professional work, or you needed to wait till you were 21, or you wanted to finish your apprenticeship you could finish at 21 and then go and do your two years. Right. But I opted to go and do it and get it done with. And uh, However, within a, few, within a few weeks of being in, in the Air Force, yeah. in, in the National Service, sorry, in, in the uh, initial training of this National Service, uh, after four weeks of the initial training, they let you, if you lived within a certain radius of the training camp, you could go home for 36 hours. And I lived right quite near, yeah. so I was able to go home. And that was how I got saved in that weekend that I came home. Yeah. My friend, Ron, had left me a packet of cigarettes as a going away present. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, he had got saved. In those four weeks, wow. he had wow. got saved. 
Well, I shouldn't. He, he, he was a backslider actually, and he came back to the Lord mm. uh, in a Baptist church. He he he, he was um, he got saved. His parents were, were Christian and went to church, but he didn't. And uh, so when I went up to see his to his house to to say thank you for the cigarette, oh, his mother said, oh, he's he's not here. He's at church. He's he's teaching a Sunday school class. Wow. <laughs> I said. Well, I didn't say it to her, but I, I thought, him, you shouldn't let him anywhere near kids, you know. <laughs> so, but it was a girl that he had seen at this church that he liked. That was really what attracted him right. initially, and, and eventually they got married. But that was how I came to... And the pastor was there, and the Sunday school was going on inside the church, and the pastor was outside at the gates of this church. Yeah. It was a lovely sunny day, and I came and he said, oh, he said, yes, he's in there uh, teaching a class. And, and, and he said, are you saved? And... Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what he meant, you know, about saved. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, what do you mean, you know? Well, do you know you're going to heaven? Uh, no. Oh, well, in that case, you're going to hell. You know, he said, if you don't get saved, you go to hell. That's what he told me straight away, you know. Yeah, wow. I felt like telling him to go to hell. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I did. Oh, it was, he was oh, so blunt. Goodness. However, later on, as I got to know him, of course, I... Uh, and he, 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 he was talking with me and I was saying, you know, where did Cain get his wife from and how did Jonah get swallowed by the whale and all this kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> and he'd say, never mind about that, you know, what are you going to do with Jesus, you know. Yeah. He, he, was so, yeah. he was so direct. And I, I just, uh, and he said, look, Bob, you can do one or two things. You can either come and, 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 and we can pray together and you can give your life or you could walk away from here and chance going to hell. What are you going to do? Wow. And I felt like really walking away, mm. but something inside of me said, "I want to, I want to give my life to Jesus." Wow. And I, I knelt down, and he said, uh, do, you, "Do you know how to pray?" I said, "Yeah, our Father who art in heaven." You know, I, yeah. I knew, I knew. No, he said, "I don't mean that." <laughs> he said, "Look, you just pray this prayer after me," which I repeated. Yeah. But although it was a kind of a perfunctory thing. When I got up, I was different. Wow. I just was different. I just felt, wow, I've done something fantastic here. And I was so thrilled with it and so excited. And, oh, I went home and I told my mum, you know, I've given my life to Jesus. And and uh, and she thought it was lovely, really, although she wasn't a churchgoer. Or, yeah. You know, she just, uh, you know, oh, I went back to camp that night to the RF and I, I told her, I walked into the billet room with 19 other guys in the billet. You know, I have been safe tonight, lads. It's fantastic. You know, and then they're all, what do you mean, you know, saved you know, and all this kind of thing. And so that was, uh, and of course that was my introduction. And and actually there was a Scottish guy slept next to me. Yeah. And he's in bed with all his uniform on. And he's drunk, he was drunk, you know, and he shouts out, what's John 316? Like that, you know, John. Well, I didn't know what, I thought it was a formula or something, you know. <laughs> I said, I don't know. He said, you're a Christian and you don't know what John 3.16 is, you know. I <laughs> remember <laughs> so, my mother had actually bought me a Bible uh, to go away, but I'd thrown it in the back of my locker I'd, because, I, of course, I was unregenerate for four weeks, but now I'm, I'm rummaging in the bottom of my locker for my Bible mm -hmm. because this guy said, it's in the Bible. He's in. So I looked in, you know, and found to find it. Oh, there it is, you know, for God's soul of the world. That's happened to me. Yeah. You know, this is, this is me. And uh, so that was the start of my, uh, my life in Jesus. And, of course, I, 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 I used to leave my Bible on the top of my bedroll every morning as a witness, you know, to, yeah, um, right. uh, to kind of tell everybody, you know, I'm a Christian. And I was a bit religious, you know. I, I, I was obnoxious, really, you know. Because yeah. they'd say, how do you know you're going to heaven? Because I was so positive, you yeah. see. Yeah. I, it sounded so so <laughs> arrogant, you know. Who do you think you are? You know, why should you go to heaven? You know, what's the, who do you... And, I said, I don't know, but I said, it's like this, you know, if an atom bomb was to drop here now, tonight, you'd all go to hell and I'd go to heaven. You know, that's what I said. Oh, talk about judgmental and I, I just, it's crazy. 
and not a, not a scrap <laughs> of the love of Jesus in me at all. You know, it just I'm just enjoying it all. Yeah. And I used to leave my Bible on, and and one day the, the inspecting officer would come round and check on the billet. You know, if you folded, you know, I had some blankets all folded a certain way and everything, and uh, and my Bible was on the top, and uh, and he turned my Bible to a page in John where it says. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I can't just think of it now. It's uh, but where it's where Jesus says, uh, uh, "If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love." Yeah. Move this Bible from this day on, or else, <laughs> you know, <laughs> keep my commandment. The officer was saying. <laughs> Which I did, and I, and I put it away. But and they were exciting days, those. And you know how you are when you first. Well, how I was when I first. It was all so lovely and wonderful, and oh, I was walking on air, and oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. And that launched me into my Christian life, you know. Yeah. And I'd go to church when I came home at weekend, and and when I was, I got posted to. I was um, I was a secretary in the air force to a wing commander. Yeah. And um, and uh, I would go at weekend if I was uh, I hadn't got any leave or anything. I, I would go to the local Methodist church. Yeah. And the Methodist people were so lovely and kind, and they'd take me back for supper and look after me, you know. And oh, it, it was it was great that was. And then when I came home, I started going to this same Pentecostal church that uh, when I finished my service, I mean, you know, when, after two years, during which time my father died. And okay. so uh, um, I actually tried to get out of the Air Force on compassionate grounds because I'm the only child and my mother really needed uh, a breadwinner. So when I came back, I was like a breadwinner uh, for my mother. Uh, yeah. She did have a little job in a cafe, um, you know, serving and that kind of thing, but so I was the main, uh, you know, I used to give my mother my wages and she'd give me spending money back, yeah, well. <laughs> just as if I was a husband, you know. Yeah. So so when I got married, it was no different for me. I just gave Margaret my money and she gave, <laughs> <laughs> she gave, she gave me my spending money back. <laughs> so, Bob, you, you got done properly because, what, you presumably christened and confirmed in an Anglican church, you were saved in a Baptist church, and then you feel the Spirit filled in a Pentecostal church, is that right? <laughs> well, I, it, well, it was a Pentecostal oh, church. Oh, it was a Pentecostal church. Yeah, it okay. was, yeah, it was a Pentecostal. It was a little wooden hut. It wasn't even a proper church. It was right. a it was an army Nissan hut that had been planted on a, a piece of land and, right. and it's got a wooden cross on it on the wow. gable. And that was and, and it was called the Philadelphia Tabernacle. I thought it was from America. Yeah. You know, the, because they, the brotherly love, you see, that was what they wanted to communicate, you know. Yeah. But it only meant sense to people who knew Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else thought we'd come from America, you know, the Philadelphia Tabernacle. Yeah. So and I, so I was there with uh, uh, Pastor Dronsfield and, um, and as I say, my dad died. So when I came back, Pastor Do John and Dorothy Dronsfield, they were so good to me. They took me under their wing and he was like a dad to me, you know, and I, I was at their house so much uh, I would go with them after church and they'd, they were very good to me but then one day I read Proverbs where it says go not off to thy neighbour's house lest he be wearied with your continual coming <laughs> and I thought hey I've got to stop going to because I was there all the time I went to church every night Every we had something on every night at church you know there was a, the, uh, no every night but Monday Monday was the girls night and so I couldn't go on a Monday Tuesday night was the fellowship night Wednesday night was the boys night Thursday night was cleaning night Friday night was prayer night Saturday night was fellowship night Sunday morning 9.30 prayer meeting 10.30 breaking of bread service 2.30 Sunday school 5.30 open air service 6.30 gospel service and then, wow. and then go on it was just a week from my mother used to say why don't you take your bed there you know you're never at home <laughs> so, so uh, that was my life, you know, it was just yes. full of Jesus and full of serving God and full of, and Pastor John and Dorothy, were, they never had any kids and so obviously, you know, uh, you they were able to look after me a bit more yeah. than, 
Yeah, and so then I went on just, you know, running the kids' service and then the youth, I had a youth club and the kids meet. Laurie, the, Margaret's brother yeah. and I used to run kids' club night on a Tuesday night. I'd cycle home from work trying to think of a story I was going to tell them. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I'd tell a story one week and Laurie would do the songs and the quiz and all the other stuff. Then the next week I'd do the quiz and the songs and he'd tell a story. And we did that for 10 years. Oh, 10 years. Wow. Ten years every oh. Tuesday night. We were not to mention Sunday afternoon teaching a Sunday school. Well, that was about eight years with a Sunday school, and, mm. but but teaching the Sunday school and and then Pastor John Dronsfield. He, as we were developing, Laurie and I particularly, we were we were really good. He's my best friend, and I'll be seeing him when I go to England in August. Right, staying with him. He's eighty three now. And he's a, he's a black belt in a karate. He's as fit as a butcher's dog. He's absolutely... <laughs> he's, he's, so, he's so fit, you know. And, well, you know. <laughs> he calls me Blubber Bob. How <laughs> <laughs> many best friends can say that? <laughs> Blubber Bob. <laughs> so, oh, well. But Laurie and I did this together. And, oh, it, and... And in fact, I, I got there early one night and we didn't have the key. I forgot my key. I had to wait. And there's a little lad, um, uh, David Lord, he was called, a little lad. And he says, have you come down from heaven? Uh, <laughs> I said, he thought that we had actually, we came from heaven every Tuesday. And we did this story. And then we went back to wow. this little kid. <laughs> and he got saved, this little kid. And he was from a, a rough family, a big yeah. family, but he grew up and, and over the years, you know, he went into the youth group and Great. and we had the, and we took them to camp and we did all this stuff and Laurie and I particularly, and then of course Laurie started courting this girl and because uh, we were going to be like John the Baptist, you know, we don't want yeah. women, you know. We, <laughs> single you, forever. Single forever, that's it. <laughs> We're just going to serve God, and then he went the way of all flesh, you know, and got started. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, so what am I? And I did feel a bit kind of, oh. <laughs> and I, I mean, I had actually got my eye on Margaret, because it's his sister, you see. Right. So I married my best friend's sister. Your best friend's but sister. But I never told Margaret I was interested in her. I never became, I was too spiritual for that. You know, you got to pray about it and all that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm so, so stupid, you know, <laughs> when I think of it now. When I think, you know what I did when I, when I went to ask her to go out with what me? What did you do? Well, our pastor, he would say, it was very all the girls sat on one side in our church and the guys on the other side okay. there was a lot of young people and so uh, things could happen yeah. you know <laughs> so he was and but he was a very strict holiness preacher yeah. pentecostal holiness all of, you don't go out with a girl unless you're going out with her with a view to getting married mm. and you can't sit with her unless you're engaged wow. in the church in, and you can uh, on a Sunday morning and and uh, uh, you can only sit if you're engaged and, and you've got a real, uh, an understanding. That kind of uh, setup, you see. Yeah. So, of course, <laughs> I thought I've got to ask this particular day, a, a Sunday. I was on my way back to Sunday school and I called in at her house and uh, I said, <laughs> I said, sit down, I want to ask you something. <laughs> will, you, will you go out with me with a view to getting married? <laughs> Don't answer me now. Take a month to pray about <laughs> Take it. Take a month. <laughs> she says. She says I don't need a month. It's yes. Oh right, brilliant. <laughs> and that was how. We, and here we are, fifty-two years yeah, later, still, still <laughs> serving Take God. A month. <laughs> I know. That was how ridiculously spiritual, though. You know. I mean, not like Josh Fernandez, you know, he buys 285 roses yeah. and spells it out in the park, will you marry me, not yeah, me. I didn't, even, I didn't even take her out for a meal or anything. After the Sunday night service, we just went a walk together up Style Road, yeah. uh, hand in hand and just talking, you know, and that was it. That was the, that was the start of it. That's, 
Brummett. But we had no, we had no money. We, it was a different generation then. Yeah. You, mm. you, you, after the war, you see, everything was very still on ration. You, you know, you still lived pretty frugally. Um, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of. Um, it was just beginning to come, beginning to come better. You know. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so and so there it was in 1965. We got married, and and uh, here we are, 52 years later. Yeah. And praise yeah. God! So I was 30 when I got married. See, I was, I was, uh, well, I was 20 when I got saved, 20. and 30 when I got married. So for that 10 years, Laurie and I were doing these kids and taking youth camps out and youth clubs wow. and youth meetings and open air meetings and all that kind of stuff you know we were just sold out to it that was all we ever did and uh, wow yeah so so that was uh, that was how it all came about and then then we we got uh, i i'd always felt i was always i Laurie and I actually wrote to these two lady missionaries in India who ran a children's home. Yeah. Not far, over the mountains from Coimbatore in Bangalore. Yeah. In the Kola gold fields. And they ran a children's uh, an orphanage and, uh, oh, they were so sacrificial, those ladies. And so we supported them and we, you know, we did. But I'd always got this, I wanted to go to India as a missionary. Yeah. Uh, very very soon on. In fact, when I when I started courting Margaret, I said, "Look, I feel God's called me to India. Will you be prepared to come?" Oh, she said, "Go anywhere with you. You know, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people." You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, that's great. Now she's got a bit of sense. Now she <laughs> she, she prays about a few things. You know, <laughs> she used to believe yeah. everything I said at one time. You know, oh, we'll go anywhere. We'll do anything. But. Oh, she's smart now. Yeah. She's <laughs> trimmed my sails a bit now. <laughs> she's caught on. Yeah, she's caught on. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and so then uh, I, we did actually get invited to go to India from the World Missions Council of the UK. Um, uh, I, I actually, you know, sent, uh, um, you know, an in a letter of interest that we would. Anyway, it, it didn't work out that we could go to India, and uh, but we went to Malaysia instead. Tell me about that story. How did that eventuate? Oh yeah, how did that eventuate? Well, mm, well, it's like this. We 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 were told that no, we we weren't suitable for India. Yeah. So uh, so we felt so we felt. Uh, Oh, good. Well, well, we weren't married then. We were just still engaged okay. because I didn't want to. I didn't want to start courting because uh, if you get married, you have kids and you, they cost money, and you can't be taking them <laughs> and, and being married. Sure you, you've got to do it economically. You know, costs a lot of money, mm. and so we were still just engaged. And uh, anyway, then we so we thought, oh, good, we can get married. So we got married and we bought a house and. And we, we thought it was lovely. And then we got this letter from the World Missions Council saying, would you be prepared to go and serve God in Malaysia? And we just bought this house and just got married and we just settled down and we just thought, this is fantastic, you know. And, and we had um, Angela then. Did we have Angela, Angela then? Was oh yeah, we had Angela then. Uh, uh, I mean, and, uh, you know, and we were going out at church, you know, doing well at church and getting on with things there and it, you know, it was lovely, we were really enjoying life and and uh, anyway, no we didn't have Angela then did we? No, not in Hawthorne Road, we just got married. You had Angela when we went to, when we went to Bible school, when we were with my yeah, mother. Yeah, I know, Laura, I shouldn't have you, Yeah, you, you, you're... <laughs> you're okay, in front. You're in front of yourself, yeah. Anyway, we're, like anyway, that, that's like how we that's how we were. Yeah, that's how we were. And oh, we said no, we've got. And by that time, another guy, a friend of ours, Ray Belfield and Barbara, together, we bought a, a camp, an actual youth camp uh, wow. that, that we bought off an old Pentecostal guy, and we were paying for it a bit at the time, you know. And 
but we for um, uh, twelve weeks of the year, yeah. we we would be having this camp in. in and so Margaret was cooking and doing stuff, and 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 we would Ray and Barbara and and Ray and I were doing the ministry for the kids, you know. And it was tents, you know. It was just tents on the field, you know. It wasn't and and a, a, a Nissan hut for a for a canteen, you know, and a and a meeting hall and that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, so oh, we were no, we were involved in this, and we got that. Oh, we can't be going missionaries, no. But anyway, we prayed. And we, <laughs> we got uh, that letter, you know that. I know I got the letter to say would we would we go and yeah. and uh, and I tried I typed the letter to say no we won't go yeah. but I couldn't post it and I kept I tried about five or six wow. times to type this letter and I couldn't when it came to posting it I said and I said you know Lord I think we've we've kind of come back to this where we originally felt God was leading us and now it's opened up again maybe not India but somewhere else but we prayed Lord will you send somebody else oh mm. that was it yeah you I'm getting the magazine I know that's right I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself now I'm having a seniors moment yeah I'm getting ahead of myself do you remember we read it in the magazine of the redemption tidings every every week every month we get there oh then a couple needed for Malaysia that's right and we and you said shall we say, pray Lord, I said shall we pray if it's your no, will. let's pray for somebody to to go, <laughs> mm. and then the Lord said, "Well, why don't you go?" <laughs> <laughs> well, so, the letter came through the mail, and then after, days. as we prayed that night on the Monday morning, this letter came saying, "Would you be willing really? to go oh. to Malaysia?" After we'd read this in the thing, yeah. Well, so that was it, you know. So, oh, so anyway, I went. We went down, had the interview, yeah, and we saw. Well, I say sold out. We just owned the front door, I think, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then when I look back on it now, I think we were daft. We should have just rented it out, you know, and kept it. Mm. But you don't think about that, you know. Yeah. Just burn all your bridges. And in that, in that uh, album that you just uh, yeah. uh, of our fiftieth anniversary. There is that uh, five pound note, and when we actually launched out to go to Malaysia, that's all we actually had—a five pound note, no visa card, no bank account, no money in the bank, no anything, just a five pound note in our pocket. Mm. And we got on a, a cargo ship in Holland. Uh, in uh, somebody paid for us. Yeah, somebody pay, you know paid for for us to go. Uh, you know, paid the fare and got all yeah. the fare paid, and for this cargo ship, and, 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 and Angela was three years old. That's right. Then Angela was three years old at that time, right. because in that period from saying yes, you had to travel around the country to all the churches and tell them you were going to to generate support, you know, and yeah, help yeah. and that. But it wasn't support that you got personally. All the money went into a central pot in the missions department, yeah. and then they shared out what was available. And so, uh, so, but we had no guarantee of support at all. We just just believed God, you know. <laughs> I mean, when I think I'd never go anywhere without my visa card now, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I think of it now, I think we must have been mad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pastor Bob, did you go to uh, Bible college before you went? Yes, there? I did. I went. I went to Kenley, the Assemblies of God Bible College. However, I only did six months before the missions department said it's time to go to okay. Malaysia, and so I never completed a, a full course. Okay. Right. Again, I finished school when I was 15 and I didn't have any higher education certificate. All I had was a school leaving certificate and then I go to Bible school and I haven't got any kind of yeah. graduation uh, uh, stuff or anything. And, wow. and so I... Uh, but, and, and, and I must be honest, Alex, when we did go to Asia, to Malaysia, uh, it, we went under the auspices of the American Assemblies of God in the in Malaysia. Yeah. They were the ones that had got the thing going. You know, there was twenty six churches at that time, and uh, and we were pioneer church planters. That's what we were doing. Uh, but I must confess that I did feel a certain inadequacy right. in myself that not only did all these American missionaries had 
graduate degrees. Yeah, right. They all, you know, <laughs> have been to university. They, they, and here's me, you know, as thick as two planks, you know. And all I knew was my Bible, and that's it, you know. And and even limited, even with that, right. you know, even with that. And when I look back on it now, I think. And we, we were the preachers. As soon as we landed in Malaysia, I was a preacher at a National Assemblies of God camp oh, really? for all of the... I was the preacher with an interpreter. That oh, I never oh, preached wow. with an interpreter. And I've got this North Country accent, yeah. and he's used to hearing Queen's English, right. you know, and, and he's trying to interpret for me, and... And I don't know how to speak with an interpreter properly. No. I'm going on too long with my sentences, and, and he's having to. But Woon Tham Choi's name was, and he's gone to be with the Lord now. But he was a lovely guy, and we kept in touch with him. But but in spite of that, folks got saved. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. They got, you know, it, it, it was amazing. We just believed God and trusted God, and it just happened. How long were you in Malaysia for? Two years. Four. Oh, sorry, four years. Oh, two yeah. sons born there. Yeah, two sons born there. Yeah, four years we were in Malaysia. Yeah. Wow. Can I just back up a minute? So, because you're doing all the Lord while you're in England, you're doing all this work for the Lord, but you were working as well. Oh, yeah. as a songwriter as well. Right, so yes. you're still songwriting. Oh yes, yeah. And then I was managing a sign a sign department for a shop fitting firm at the point when it got launched into missions. And I went to see Mr. Hall, <laughs> he was the boss, you know, and uh, I told him, I said, well, I'm, I want to uh, hand him a notice, you know, give a month's notice. Why, what's wrong? Do you want more money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to give me more money, you know, he said, wow. no, I said, no, I said, uh, we're going as mission. How are you going to live? <laughs> that was his first yeah. know. Where are you going to get your money from? I said, I don't know what God's going to do it for yeah. me. But, Fantastic. But, uh, so, that was, so I was still working as yeah. a, a sign writer and sign, well, I was, we were doing sign making and neon signs mm -hmm. and, and I was managing the, the, depart, the sign department for this big shop fitting firm yeah. in, oh. in Manchester. So, um, yeah, so that, that, oh. But there's a whole story about that as well. But anyway, we won't go into that. We won't go into that. So yeah, I, working all the time, doing everything like that, and, and uh, yeah, and, and and then just launching into into ministry, and and then we went and we took over in, in Malacca. Uh, a church had already been planted there, and so we some American missionaries were going back, so we filled in their gap for a while. Then we had a massive car accident in Malaysia, and and our car was wiped off. It was split in two pieces. Wow! Oh, the front bit was on one side of the road. The back bit was on the other. And Angela, the, our little daughter, the baby, then was in the plastic seat at the back. No, that was. Oh no, that was Philip. Philip was in the plastic seat at the back. And Angela was. It was one of these cars with a bench seat. They used to have a bench. You know, not two separate seats. Goes right across with a with a, a, a column control gear yeah. thing, you know, on the steering wheel. Angela was asleep on here and she went with the front bit. I got through out. Margaret, Margaret got through throughout the, of the back bit with Phil, Phil and he was thrown onto the road with his plastic baby seat and, and stitches all over his head and, uh, oh and, and, and so, and, but we were unconscious and we had, had to go to... Somebody took us to hospital. Had to go to hospital and... Anyway, I won't go into all that. That's a, another story. You know. I, I, I don't know what you. What do you want to ask me? No, you know, no, I don't want to just keep. I don't right just want to keep going. You know, I mean. You're right on track. So yeah. you're in Malaysia four years, actually, yeah. and then you moved to take the, on to. Then we came back to the UK so with the, the intention UK. of going back to Malaysia, but in that time there was a Malaysian, uh, what's called a Malayanization, where they were getting rid of all expatriates and putting Malaysian citizens in those jobs. It was to, and it was right really, you know, there was a lot of expat people there yeah. running and we had to, you know, the government told us, even as pastors, we have to train somebody to be our, yeah. uh, our you know, to take over. When we left, that was it, you know, yeah. we, and that was, so that's what we did. And so. Okay. That's when we took over the whole church that we're going to preach at, <laughs> in, and 
so that's uh, well, uh, it, it, there's a story to that. It, um, there were two church. Mm -hmm. There were uh, there were two churches that uh, wanted to have us after I after it was revealed and, and and that we couldn't get back to Malaysia. Yeah. Uh, we obviously had to look, look for you know what we're going to do, yeah. and two churches who had. Obviously, with itinerating around the churches, I'd, I'd got become quite well known, you know. With, uh, but this and, is a and I've kind of got a bit of an outgoing disposition, and and everybody's a, a friend to me, you know, for five minutes, and then after that, I don't want to know them, you know. But, <laughs> but, 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 but that's how it appears. But no, there were two pastors, George Storman and David Powell. Yeah. David Powell had, had previously wanted me to go and be his associate, yeah. and I went to preach for him. And and but he was a very strong personality. He scared me to death. Uh, <laughs> and while I'm preaching, he sat. Look at that rain. While I'm preaching, while I'm preaching, he sat right next. There's the platform there, the pulpit, and I'm preaching there. He brings his chair and, and faces me side on like this and he's listening to everything that I'm saying he's scaring me to death the guy you know and he was a very strong oh and it's a big church as well and in fact in fact this same guy when we were going to Malaysia as missionaries he came to our house sat down in the chair like I'm sitting now he said brother I do not believe it's the will of God for you to go to Malaysia right and and he, was, and he was really forceful, it was Mr. Yeah. Powell, we all called him Mr. Powell. In those days he didn't call pastor, it was always Mr. He was very, um, no titles at all in Assemblies of God of the UK. Yeah. We, just to make everybody <laughs> appear as if they're all equal, you know. <laughs> Whereas some were more equal than yeah. others. <laughs> but but, but uh, Mr. Powell, oh, Mr. Powell. He, I do not believe, brother, it's the will of God for you to go to Malaysia. Mm. So, I, well, after when I finished preaching, by the way, just to backtrack, yeah. uh, that, when he'd asked me to go and preach, and he took me in the office, well, brother, you know, he's talking about, you know, we can do this, we'll pay you this, we'll give you this, we'll do this. I said, Mr. Powell, look, I said, I don't feel as if I can come in. I said, you would do me more harm than good. <laughs> you know, I couldn't work. With, you're, you're too strong for me. I, 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 I didn't quite say it like that, but I, I, I backed out of it. I said, I, I don't think it's right for us to come here. Mm. Uh, because I, I, I felt he, he was too overpowering, you know. And, and then for him to come after that to our house, after mm. me saying, I do didn't want to go. <laughs> Uh, but this this was this was actually when we when I'd come out of Bible school that he asked me to go and, and, and be part of his church. Yeah. And when I came out of Bible, George Storman asked me to go to the biggest Assembly of God church in England in Manchester, wow. uh, Bethshan Tabernacle. He he wanted me to go as his assistant there. And then the other one was to go to Alfreton with eight people, wow. <laughs> eight people in the church. And I said to Margaret, I said, well, look, if we're going to go and pioneer churches, we don't want to go into a big church. We need to get some experience of little, of, of starting with a few people, mm. you know, and, and, and see what we can do with a few people. Not, we don't want to be in a, in a big church. Yeah. And so that was why I, 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 I um, Put that to one side, you see, yeah. and then later, Mr. Powell comes as we've already applied and we're now going to Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Then, because he knows us, and he used to come shooting rabbits on the local farmer's field, that's, <laughs> that's why he came. He came with his 12 boy shotgun, you know, and, and, so, and right, he'd, go, he'd, go to, he'd go to Farmer White, <laughs> Farmer White, Joe White that had a farm, and he'd go shooting. Anyway, he was, that's where he was on his way to, which wasn't yeah. far from where we lived. Uh, out in the country and so so I said well Mr. Powell uh, it's like this I don't believe that God reveals his will by proxy because obviously what he's told you he hasn't told me mm. and so I'd rather believe what he's told me and do you know what he said God bless you brother let me pray for you wow. as soon as I said that 
it, it was testing, you know, it was just yeah, uh, yeah. Saying, and he's a big-hearted guy. I mean, it, I, I loved him really, you know. He was, yeah. uh, he was a great guy. But anyway, so uh, so that's how we. So in '76, you get asked to be the pastor at Hull. At Hull. Yeah, that was then. Uh, so when you come back from when we come back from, so we've gone to church, to Malaysia. We pioneered the church in Seremban, the church is growing, we handed over, we trained another pastor to take over from us, yeah. and the church was growing, and oh, everything was fantastic. In fact, Malaysia was some of the happiest years, ministry-wise, mm. because nobody ever argued with us, you know. Mm. <laughs> nobody, because when you pioneer something, they don't know any different, you know. Yeah, they right. just accept everything you say, this right. is the way we're going to do it. And that, then I go to Hull, that's been going for 40 years, Mm. and there's 26 people in the church and the old pastor has been there 40 years and he's in his 70s 80s oh he, he was a, he was old and so and so that was established you know it was a, and they've got a little a little eldership team and and uh, and some friends of ours said look there's this church and it's always said yeah we'll go there um, and, and we felt it was right to go to to, yeah. to Hull and uh, but then of course I have to come from a, a pioneering mentality into a working with a team mentality or working with people that are very traditional and set in the ways you know and I'm mm. I'm a bit of a go-getter you know and yeah. uh, and I, I actually bought a 52 seater coach to, to go and get people in you know I used to call me the renter congregation pastor <laughs> because, because there was a, there's only there's only you know 20 odd of them as I say 13 of them left it within a few months yeah. so there's only a small group so I'm thinking I've got to get people in here so I bought a coach and, and come, I bought it with my own money not with the church's money yeah. I bought it with my own money but it was still wrong because I hadn't consulted them yeah. And 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 we were building this. They've got. They were in the process of building a new church. I used to go and and paint. I was painting all the church out. And then the the committee came and said, "Who gave you permission to paint it that colour?" You know. Mm. And oh, I said, "I thought you know it's a fairly neutral colour. Color, you know, I mean nobody's going. Oh no, but you didn't. You didn't discuss it with us. You know." Right. In fact, when I went to the first leadership meeting, it was held at a guy's house. And he came to the door when I knocked on the door to go in. I'd, I'd driven, I'd, I'd driven an hour and a half from where I lived to, to go and meet this team. Mm. And his first words to me were, I've already decided I don't like you. That was his first words. Fantastic. First what words. Wow. I thought he was joking, you know. <laughs> 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 you know. It wasn't. I wasn't joking. I can't believe it now, you know, when I think oh, of it. I should have said, oh, well, okay, on your bike and go. I should have gone. But I didn't. I went in and I accepted that the old wow. pastor was there. And, but then there were, anyway, I can't go into all that story. That, so, yeah, what's next on the list? Down so, yeah, so you've gone from a pioneering... <clears throat> background and yeah. now you're starting really a church that's established uh, well so established as in in, in, in long standing uh, but, but only a small group a small of people group. and your your the, vision is to yeah to yeah to, to go. and in this first you know although 13 of them left yeah. there were another 60 or 70 came in yes. in the next nine months or so well, well you know yeah, these aren't the ones that you're picking up in the bus. Yeah, these are the ones. <laughs> I'm these are the ones I'm picking up you're in, and these are the ones that I'm talking, that I'm meeting and going to, you know, take the kids to school, and I'm talking with people. And so I guess I, uh, it just kind of happened. I, 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 and all these people came, mm. and then, then one day. Oh, I can't go into that story. It's okay. it's going to take too long. But I got sacked by the old by the old eldership. Mm. But I was all, already on the executive of the of the local uh, assemblies of God ministers, and so right. I had to share it with them, and, and so they had to bring the executive in and sort it out. 
and all the church wanted us. In fact, they they stopped paying their tithes into, into and started giving us all the money. Mm, all wow. these all these sixty odd new people all all start. I said, hey, you can't give us all yeah, this money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want all this. Yeah. You've got to. And so this there's, there's, there's a lady we're going to see actually, Kathleen, who became the treasurer and and put the money together in an account so that it was done properly. And yeah. and she still lives with her mother and. We're going to see her mother and Kathleen when we go in a few weeks' time. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. And, and from that on, the church just... And, and Mr. Gardner, he died. He fell down a manhole, and uh, somebody had left a manhole off the off a, a, a pavement, and he tripped and fell, and mm-hmm. he died. And, and so, yeah, so that... Yeah, anyway, so that was... And then it grew, and we've um, we, we got and, and I've got a model of the of the next extension of the church in my office that I'd made a paper model of, of how it was going to look, mm. cardboard model, yeah. and I'd got it on my desk. This was my vision for the next step, you know, to take. And Clyde and Yvonne Sandry came with their band and made their our church their base, and he saw this and wow, he said, oh, I, and he was the one that actually built that model okay. and, and extended the church when I got launched into World Council yeah. missions with the Assemblies of God of Great Britain. Yeah. And I was missions director for the whole of Asia and the Middle, of East, the Middle East. And I was traveling uh, most of the time while Margaret was at home with the kids and my, my mother as well. that was part one of this episode and wasn't that just full of gold i loved pastor but i love listening to him i hope you got some of those jokes in there um and i you know i'm simply amazed by what god has been doing through his life and is continuing to do in his life um I want to encourage you to tune back into the next half of this and I think that's going to be really empowering especially towards the end he shares some stuff that that that, that helps with long haul ministry. Now, in the meantime, if you're if you're new and you haven't subscribed yet, I want to encourage you to do that. If you haven't yet left a review, let me know how you're how this is impacting you. If you've never heard this story, um, let me know what surprised you the most about it. If you have known Pastor Bob, but you haven't heard this part of this of his story yet, um, and I'm sure we'll have many more conversations with him. But next week, when you tune back in, I want to encourage you to tune back in because we're going to have a special, a, a bonus episode that's going to be an overview of Pastor Bob's ministry career. So he gave me a sheet of paper that had uh, that actually overlaid all of his ministry career. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through it. I'll just release that as a bonus episode just for, um, you know, just because he gave it to me. And I just want to honor that and have that somewhere. Um, and yeah, I hope this impacted you somehow and it helped you to start your own conversations. Maybe God is calling you into stuff that you need to start thinking about just getting on with it um yeah so be blessed and i'll see you in the next one